From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for tuning in and making us part of your day. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, yesterday we covered the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance, where House Speaker Mike Johnson prayed. Well, today was the National Prayer Breakfast, where President Biden spoke. This is a calling to stand against hate, to remember the very idea of America. We're all created equal. We were unique in the world, the only nation based on an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We're all created equal and deserve to be treated equally throughout our lives. Now, a, a few things are missing, like, number one, God, which makes those words meaningless. You'll say, well, how can you say that? Well, look no further than what happened yesterday in a Tennessee federal court where six pro-life activists were convicted of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, or FACE. Their crime? A peaceful pro-life rescue at an abortion clinic outside of Nashville. Now, if this administration, this president, truly believed we were all created equal, working to save a life of equal value would be awarded, not punished with 10 years in prison. Now, to give further context, before the Biden administration, the FACE Act, as it is known, it goes all the way back to 1994 when Bill Clinton signed it into law, it's been relatively unused, with just one case in 2020. Since then, there has been a 900 percent increase in the use of the FACE Act to prosecute pro-life activists. Now, this, of course, this, of course, while 88 attacks on life-affirming pro-life clinics since the overturn of Roe have gone mostly unaddressed. That's not to mention the 888 attacks on churches that have been left unaddressed by the Biden administration. Missouri Congressman Mark Hofford, who, by the way, was also a part of yesterday's National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance, joins me to talk about the double standard of justice under the Biden administration. And as Congress inches closer to the battle over the border, could come next week, about half of our nation's state governors have made clear where they stand. They stand with Texas. Let's all band together as states. Let's say that our borders matter. Let's say that we're going to support Texas uh, in making sure that we can stop what is happening to our country. That was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis earlier today as he sent National Guard troops to Texas. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt joins me to explain how the Sooner State is standing with Texas. That's coming up in just a moment. On yesterday's program, we briefly, briefly discussed FRC's latest report on the intensifying intolerance toward Christians in the West. Well, by the way, you can see that report at FRC.org. Under the present U.S. administration, we're contributing to the problem. We're not helping bring forth a solution. But there is a country that has made addressing the plight of persecuted Christians a top government priority. The state secretary of Hungary, Tristan Ashbesh, joins me in studio later on Washington Watch. And speaking of Christian persecution, the country of Niger- Nicaragua, rather, under Daniel Ortega, has become a hotspot for religious intolerance. Late last year, after eight successful evangelistic crusades, Mountain Gateway, a U.S.-based missions organization, had about a dozen of their ministry leaders arrested. And all of their property, all their ministry property, including disaster relief materials, confiscated. They're still in prison. We're going to talk with Britt Hancock, founder and director of Mountain Gate Ministries, later on this edition of Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Job 37, as Job's young friend Elihu speaks. 
Listen to this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now, in his appeal to Job, Elihu points to creation, the general revelation of God. And it gets Job's attention by putting things into perspective. The revelation of God's power, authority, and majesty in creation leaves man without excuse. Creation speaks to the existence and power of the Creator, one that we should bow before and serve, as Paul writes in Romans. The bottom line is that what got Job's attention, to the point that he was absolutely silent, was not Elihu's rhetorical skills or the philosophies of man. It was not even his informed opinion. It was the truth of God. Job was silenced not by Elihu's age, his experience, his prominence in society, or his title. The wisdom of Elihu silenced Job was the wisdom found in the revelation of the truth of God. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. As the border crisis the Biden administration created grows into a national powder keg, Republican governors throughout the country have pledged to support Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his effort to stop the tide of illegal border crossings. This is an invasion, as we've talked about. The 2023 fiscal year saw a record 2.4 million migrant encounters at the border, turning every U.S. state into a border state. Joining me now to discuss this, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt, who last week confirmed that he is going to stand with Texas as well in this battle over the border. Governor Stitt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Yeah, great to see you, too. So tell us, uh, how are you there in Oklahoma standing with the folks of Texas? Well, like, like you said, and like most Americans are, are seeing right now, uh, what's happening at the at the southern border, uh, we, we, you just can't make sense of it. And the best way for me to describe it, I've been down there, we've had troops down there, is there's 28 ports of entry between Mexico and Texas. And it's already a federal law. It's already illegal to enter the United States anywhere but one of these ports of entry. So what we just cannot understand, and I think the American people and certainly Oklahomans can't understand, is why would the Biden administration be down there cutting razor wire, just letting people in illegally? Uh, if you don't call that an invasion, I don't know what you call it when six million people are coming in illegally. And so to us, it's just it's absolute common sense. Uh, we are supporting Governor Abbott. He has a right to defend uh, his state, our country. And the Biden administration has created this problem uh, with just poor. Uh, it just makes no sense whatsoever. The only possible explanation is he believes that he can take those six million people and turn them into his voters and focus on the next election instead of doing what's right for America. And I think Americans are frustrated. Or a part of that, Governor, could be creating so many problems for governors and states across the country that you have to, I mean, the resources that you're going to have to, that you're already having to invest in the drug infiltration, the gangs, the crime, all of these issues, the social services that now are having to be picked up by the states. Yeah, I'm, you're exactly right. I mean, just in our state, uh, fentanyl deaths have increased 500% over the last few years. Uh, our healthcare system, you just cannot, uh, you, 
it's just unsustainable. We're taking U.S. citizens and we're paying taxes, and now all of a sudden we're having to take care of six million people that are illegally entering our states and our country. It just makes no logical sense whatsoever. Um, and so, of course, we stand with him. I think 25 other governors have supported and and pledged their support to back Texas in this uh, in this endeavor. And I think the Biden administration now is backed into a corner because even the Democrats are starting to wake up and say, hey, this this makes no sense. The the Democratic cities are are being overwhelmed. Their social services and their social nets uh, are just being overrun right now. And I hope that we'll go back to a Trump era policy, which is basically just remain in Mexico. I'm going to talk about those blue state governors in a moment, but I want to want to ask you a question. So what does that support from Oklahoma look like? You're sending National Guard troops to uh, to Texas? Yeah, we did that last year. I don't have any down there yet. We're still looking at that. We're talking to uh, Governor Abbott, our uh, my general of the National Guard is uh, kind of putting together a plan for me. Um, you know, right now, I, I know there's talk from the feds about federalizing the Texas National Guard to try to get them from the Governor Abbott's command to President uh, President Biden's command. And we think that would be a very, uh, you know, dangerous situation. We don't want him to do that. We think that would be ridiculous. Uh, he would basically just be letting everybody know, I'm just, I'm going to take these troops and tell them to start cutting this razor wire, which... Uh, would just be unbelievable. Uh, but if that happened, then of course, Texas and uh, or Tennessee and Oklahoma and South Dakota and, and all these other states then would send our National Guards down there to help him immediately. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and when Governor Abbott, you know, calls on uh, the other 25 governors to help him. Uh, Governor, I find this very interesting because I, I actually had the Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick on the program earlier in this week, and he was telling me that we're talking about $2 billion a year that Texas is putting into this effort to secure the border down there. And then we have all these other red state governors like yourself willing to put forth their resources to help. Now, as we just described, there's a reason it's impacting your state. But contrast that with the sanctuary cities and states like New York City they're not ponying up. They're actually asking for more money from the federal government. They, in fact, uh, end of last year, they asked for five billion dollars from the federal government. I mean, the re here's my here, here's my assessment of this, Governor Stitt, is that the red states have such good economies because they have good tax policy. They have the revenue that they can address the problem where the blue states that are you know positioning themselves as these sanctuary cities. They don't have the money. Yeah, uh, you, you're exactly right. I, I love giving the example between Florida and New York. You know, Florida has a ten. Or Florida has zero income tax. New York has a ten point nine percent income tax, and New York is broke, and people are moving to Florida. Uh, their budget in New York is two hundred thirty three billion. It's twice what that is of Florida. Florida is one hundred sixteen billion. So these high tax states. Uh, they're broke. They're in a death spiral. People are leaving them. Uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, just came to our state and he said, there's no way I would invest money in states like New York and California uh, because they're overtaxing, overregulating business. You know, businesses are flowing to states like Oklahoma and, and Texas and Tennessee and Florida. And, uh, you know, because we have common sense, we believe in capitalism and free enterprise and individual liberties 
And there's a huge difference right now between our two states. Uh, so, yes, we absolutely do not want the federal government to bail out blue states again. Uh, back during COVID, uh, I was the, 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 the voice that kept saying, stop doing another bailout. You're just encouraging these blue states to continue their, their ridiculous shutdowns. Uh, states like Oklahoma were open the whole time. Our economy was, was, was booming, and, and now our state is top 10 in people moving to our state. Uh, so, again, I, I, our policies are so much better than that of New York's or these sanctuary states. Yeah. So you've got the revenue to actually solve problems where they're looking for someone else to give them money uh, to yeah, deal with the problems kind of, they created. Our, our largest savings accounts in state history in Oklahoma and California, I think, has a 60 or $70 billion deficit right. just this year. Um, they just overspend. We believe in smaller government, lower taxes. Um, and, of course, we believe in strong borders. And, and, and I also like to remind the American people, this has nothing to do with immigration policy. Uh, we want to make sure we have H-1B visas. We know who's coming into our country, who's working, uh, the engineers, the, the technology experts, right. uh, construction workers. But you got to have a strong border. We, we, everybody knows well, this. And also, your policies recognize we've got to have strong families, too, which is what I appreciate about Oklahoma. But, by the way, my home state of Louisiana got a new governor there, and uh, I've told him to give you guys a run for your money. We want to become the reddest state in the nation. Governor, always I, good I, to I, see yeah, you. Yeah, he's a good governor. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. All right. Governor Kevin Stead of Oklahoma. Coming up next, Congressman Mark Alford joins me to discuss his reaction to yesterday's national gathering for prayer and repentance and this disturbing news out of Tennessee where six more pro-lifers have been charged and convicted of violating the FACE Act. That's next. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. 
You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Well, yesterday, a Tennessee jury uh, in a federal court convicted six pro-life advocates on federal charges for singing hymns and praying at an abortion facility in 2021. Now, the Christian advocates were convicted of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, or it's known as FACE, which the Biden administration continues to weaponize following the 2022 Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, this comes even as we've seen hundreds of attacks on churches. And uh, just in the uh, just since the Roe decision, uh, the Dobbs decision overturning Roe, 88 pregnancy resource centers, life affirming centers have been attacked with only a handful full, just a few prosecutions for such acts. Most have gone unaddressed. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Mark Alford. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee, the House Agriculture Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri, and uh, he's on the phone because Congress adjourned and they're headed home for the weekend. Congressman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It was certainly good seeing you this week as we uh, prayed for the repentance of our nation, our Congress and uh, what what an event! I know we're going to talk about that a little bit well, as well. Let, let's just disturbing. let's just start let's just start with that. With everything yeah. going on in our nation today and really the world, um, I, I've heard from many many people who are part of that uh, just in the last twenty four hours that it was it was a refreshing event to see members of Congress, yourself included, you were there, you were part of it, reaching out to God, repenting, and asking for God's help. Well, Tony, I. Look, I've, I've said, led a lot of public prayers uh, in church and in, in different settings. Uh, I have never in my life been a part of something as great uh, as that, uh, a, a conduit to God through Jesus Christ, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance that gave us an opportunity in a packed room on the top floor of the uh, Museum of the Bible to really go through the the throne of Jesus Christ to talk to, to God and and just to ask him for forgiveness for our arrogance, our pride, our lust, our our murder of innocent children here in this nation. And and what was inspiring to me is to see so many different people from different walks of life who are all there. It, it, it must be a, a small taste of what heaven's going to be like. 
Yeah, I was thinking that myself yesterday. But just and it was a five-hour prayer meeting. I know the members had to, to go, but it lasted for five hours. It was a, a powerful gathering. But I think what we're talking about here about these pro-life advocates that are being targeted by the by the Biden administration. I, I think has stirred within people a recognition that, you know, we're living in a time when evil is called good and good is called evil. We don't. Uh, there's been 888 attacks on churches that most apart for the most part have gone unaddressed. I mean, I think people are concerned that we have two a, a two tiered system of justice in this country. And I'm going to ask you, are, are they wrong for thinking that? No, I don't. Unfortunately, if you had asked me 10 years ago before I really started waking up to what was going on, I would have said, that's just a nutty conspiracy theory. But look, you cannot deny what's been going within our government, the investigations that have taken conservatives under and left liberals, progressives afloat. You cannot tell me that this persecution of God's people under the FACE uh, Act uh, is not demonic and it is not uh, unequal balance uh, of the justice system in America. Justice is supposed to be blind. Instead, it is deaf. It is deaf to the voice of God. It is deaf to the equality in America of how we should be operating. Uh, these uh, individuals are facing a possible, possibly a decade in prison for a peaceful protest. Meanwhile, we're seeing here in our nation's capital, we've seen them a, a, a few times just in the last couple of months, violent demonstrations at the White House where they've nearly broken down the fences, uh, they've damaged property, they've beaten up police officers, and we don't even see arrest. I mean, what are we going to do? What, what can we do to correct this situation? Well, look, I think the first thing we have to do as Christians, as people of faith, is to realize that the Bible said this was going to happen, right? Right. Uh, we, we are not guaranteed an easy road because we are believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. We are going to come under persecution. Right. So we, we need to be expecting this. We need to be on guard. Uh, I know that there, I, this, the evidence is clear in this case of the DOJ's persecution of pro-lifers under the FACE Act. It is disproportionate. It is unjust. But we have to expect these sorts of things. Uh, there's a big difference between protesting and obstructing. These people were simply trying to give the women uh, in these situations, who I think we, we need to do an even better job of showing Jesus' love and compassion for, but giving them information about alternatives to abortion. If that's considered obstruction, we are in for a rocky road ahead. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I talk about this all the time. You're absolutely right. Jesus warned us so that we would not lose our peace and joy even amidst of this difficulty. And, and I would add a caveat. As Americans, we do have we have rights, so we should expect these things, but we should use our rights to advocate for the benefit of others. Because if America loses its sense of priority for religious freedom and the ability to live out that faith, the rest of the world suffers, and you've seen that. Unfortunately, I have. We cannot give up the fight, and that's why in my campaign, and that's why I'm once again saying America is worth standing up and fighting for. We have to stand up and with a loud voice say no, no to the woke mob, no to those who want to turn our Norman Rockwell America into a Rocky Horror Picture Show, which they have done. Yeah. Uh, 
We have certain standards. We were founded under the protection and providence of God Almighty. And we, we have to realize that we have God on our side. Do not give up hope. Right, Get right. on your knees. Pray for America and pray that we have the strength, resilience, and fortitude to go forward. Right, we need to pray. And as I often close this program, as I always close this program, I need to pray and we need to stand. Um, Congressman Mark Alford, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for taking time to uh, join us on your way out of town. Thank you. Well, folks, we do need to pray. Uh, we need to pray and we do need to be prepared for these types of, of challenges. But we also need to exercise our rights. And, and part of that is contacting your mem- members of Congress. The FACE Act needs to go. Uh, and, and this type of persecution of Christians cannot be tolerated. And we need to vote for people who will say that and stand up for that. I mean, it's just that simple. What we're seeing here is the, the, the consequence of an election gone wrong, uh, if I can say that. It, it is bad news. But we've got to change that. We have the opportunity in this country still to do that. Well, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about a government that actually is protecting Christians and making it a top priority. We're going to be joined by a member of the Hungarian government. So don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Thursday. And again, to join us in 21 days of prayer, text PRAY21 to 67742. There's a lot to be praying about, and especially as we see this disturbing rise in the persecution of Christians worldwide, including in the West, and often at the hands of government. The government of Hungary has actually responded by establishing the Hungry Helps Agency, 
Now, this is, a, they have a mission, and their mission is to protect communities threatened by religious or other persecution, violence, catastrophes, or the effects of migration. Now, the Hungry Helps Agency is bound by Hungary's thousand-year-old Christian heritage and the moral duty that heritage brings. They're focused on helping Christians, and they make no bones about it. Joining me now to uh, talk about this in studio is the state secretary for the aid of the persecuted Christians and the Hungry Helps program. It's Tristan Ajbash. Tristan, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on the show after six years. This is the last time we had the discussion. Well, I I know we've been in many, many meetings together, and uh, we have uh, worked as it pertains to the persecuted. Hungary has done remarkable work in the Middle East uh, during my time on the USERF Commission. But tell us about the outreach that you're in charge of and the fact that you make no bones about it. You're focused on helping, helping Christians. We have to uh, just say the facts. Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. And some people who try to deny this, they claim that this is a sweeping uh, mistake, a sweeping statement, but it is all backed by facts. In the world, there are more than 360 million people who suffer discrimination, oppression, threats by terrorist organizations or genocidal attacks because of their faith in Jesus uh, Christ. And there are many charities who are working uh, for them, but the Hungarian government uh, realized that this should not be left only for charities. The international community has to uh, step up. Governments have to uh, step up. And us being a thousand-year-old proud Christian uh, nation who is still courageous enough to say that and, and be proud um, about that. We, we realize that we will, we decided that we will lead by uh, example. So therefore, the Hungarian government established my department, which was the first ever dedicated governmental department for the aid of persecuted Christians in 2016. And right away, we started the program, the Hungary Helps program, which delivers humanitarian aid to those Christians who have been just attacked by terrorist organizations, which delivers aid and financial assistance to reconstruct, rebuild places like the Nineveh Plains in Iraq, where Daesh, uh, ISIS, has committed atrocities against uh, Christians, which offers Hungarian scholarships at Hungarian universities for those Christians in Africa and Asia who are unable or... or, uh, have no chance to go to the higher education uh, system. Right. And now we can look uh, back uh, to uh, from, from the time when we have uh, last had a discussion six years ago, and I can report to you that we have reached about two million persecuted Christians uh, by extending the solidarity of the Hungarian people towards them. We have uh, run 330 projects uh, for persecuted Christians in more than 50 uh, countries. And part of that has actually been um, rebuilding churches in some places that have been destroyed. Yes, and uh, when we rebuild a church in the Middle East or in um, Africa, then I go to a professional diplomatic event in the West, and they they ask me the cynical question that, uh, why don't we support something more useful like uh, uh, hospitals and schools? Now, we also support uh, Christian hospitals and schools all around the, the world. But we, I can see the ignorance or the cynicism uh, from the question. And the, the answer to that is that 
we always ask what is needed. And in many cases, our Christian brothers and sisters would choose their church to be rebuilt first uh, before their homes are, are rebuilt. This is how important their churches uh, are for them and, and, for, and their faith. So then uh, we do something very innovative uh, and that people don't understand. We, we support what they are asking uh, from us. I'll give you one example. In Lebanon, we have supported the reconstruction of more than 60 uh, churches. And that's only one one country in the Middle East. Well, and and I know you've I've seen you at uh, the back during the Trump administration where we had these national gatherings hosted at the State Department. Hungary said the same thing publicly in front of all of those other countries challenging them. What would you say to to Christians here in the United States? You know, America wants to embrace religious freedom for all people, and, and I know you do as well. But you are focused on where the greatest need is. What would you challenge the church in America, Christians in America, to to understand and do as it pertains to the persecuted church worldwide? I visit these communities. I go to the places where terrorist organizations threaten the Christians. And uh, I remember once in uh, Iraq, I asked that, what is their greatest grief about their, their situation? And they told me that uh, they have lost almost everything, their houses, their homes, some of them has uh, lost their loved ones. Uh, but the greatest grief is that when ISIS was murdering them, when Boko Haram is still today murdering uh, African Christians, they were hoping for the Christian Western countries to come to their help. But the Christian West denied uh, this uh, help. So my challenge is, is to answer to this moral obligation. Wow. Because even some Christians in the West say that it wouldn't be Christian-like to only support our Christian brothers and sisters. It wouldn't be politically um, uh, correct. But the fact that is that they are almost completely left alone. And that's where the greatest need is. Mr. Secretary, thank you for joining us today. And I appreciate the work of Hungary. Thank you for having me on the show. All right, folks, stick with us. More Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. 
The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us again. Join us in 21 days of prayer as we uh, build on the spiritual momentum of yesterday's National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. And as we've talked about earlier, just a phenomenal day. Just so grateful for how the Lord moved and pray that he will continue to move. But we've got to continue to pray. So text the word PRAY21 to 67742. That's PRAY21 to 67742. For two. Also, if you if you missed yesterday uh, and were not able to join us, it is archived. You can go to TonyPerkins.com. It's under Episode Resources, or just go to PrayDC.org, and uh, it's archived right there. And that was five hours of prayer. You don't have to watch all of it, but uh, you'll be encouraged by it. Especially uh, two high points for me, as I mentioned uh, before, the members of Congress praying. Powerful moment, powerful moment to see members of Congress there praying, repenting, pleading for God to move in our country. And then the, the, for me, the, the young people praying and repenting and, and uh, just a, a powerful, powerful moment. So if you don't watch anything else, watch those two. It's in, they're both within the first hour and a half of the, uh, the broadcast. Well, continuing our discussion, we were just discussing uh, what Hungary is doing as a, as a government to focus on persecuted Christians, making it very clear their focus is on Christians. And I know during my time on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, we were, I often got pushback when I would want to focus on, on Christian because they are the single largest religious organization or religious community that is uh, targeted. I know there's other persecution. We speak to that as well. But Christians are being targeted. Well, we're seeing that in our own hemisphere. Now, last year, the Mountain Gateway Missionary Organization led eight mass evangelistic gospel campaigns where the Lord moved powerfully as a million Nicaraguans attended. Now, that's one-sixth of the country's population. 
and thousands, thousands came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, these events initially had the support of the Nicaraguan government, but now, mm, not so much so. With its, uh, it's, it's getting quite a reputation for persecuting Catholic ministries in their country, and now they have Mountain Gateway in their crosshairs. The Nicaraguan Attorney General jailed 11 innocent Nicaraguan Christian pastors and charged three innocent U.S. citizens with crimes. And joining me now to discuss this is Britt Hancock, a missionary to Nicaragua with the ministry Mountain Gateway. Britt, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. So you've been ministering in Nicaragua since 2013. Correct. We we first went there in, in 2013. So our first scout trips were, were then. And now when we talk, let's go back a little bit. We talk about ministry. This is a, well, this is a full portfolio of ministry. It's not just crusades. You're doing food, clothing, disaster relief. I mean, this is, uh, this is like Samaritan's Purse, you know, right there in Nicaragua. Uh, yes, sir. We have, we have done that. Um, what we really are is, is pioneer church planters. So we have, a, we have a big footprint in Mexico. We're involved in, in uh, human trafficking rescue in Mexico and working with, with drug addicts there. And village work, of course, I raised my family on the mission field. So it's it just so so our folks understand that missionaries sometimes are th- thought of you just go and you preach and you leave. You're you're helping build up these community meeting strategic needs. Correct. We um we go into um, places where the gospel doesn't have any native roots, and then we raise up local leadership and see a a, a local self replicating congregation develop. So why Nicaragua? Um. Well, um, we, we, my family was threatened by a cartel in 2012 in Mexico, and I didn't think that we would, I didn't know if we were going to be able to stay there. And um, so the Lord had spoken to me years before about expanding into other countries, and um, I went to a conference in California, and I met a Nicaraguan pastor there who invited me, so it was the only invitation that we had, so we went. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how this relationship developed with the Nicaraguan government, where they actually were supportive of these crusades that you were doing. Sure. The first guy in Nicaragua, the first Nicaragua national that got saved, uh, unbeknownst to us, um, ended up ha- previously, well, at that time, he, he worked for the government. So I don't know what all that he did, but um, he knew a lot of people. Um, he got saved uh, when we went this, we did this, this series of, uh, actually we went mule riding, uh, preaching in small villages with no roads and no electricity and no running water. And out there in the middle of that 10 days, the Lord grabbed his heart and, and he got born again. And we started discipling him. And um, the Lord worked in a, a, a pretty incredible transformation in his life. He stopped working for the government and became our our main national leader. So he helped with, you know, register our ministry in, in 2015 and um, start getting traction in church planting and so forth and so on. And um, as time went on, um, you know, storms happen. And uh, the double hurricane in 2020 hit Nicaragua. 
two Category 4 storms hit 13 days apart in exactly the same place. And it, it, it smashed rural Nicaragua really bad uh, and also affected Honduras and other other parts in, in Central America. And so we just went all in um, to help the people that we were working with. And, and then we had, you know, our partners responded, and uh, we were able to help 1,000 families from start to finish uh, in rural locations. And then two years later, there was another storm that hit, and we were able to help 3,000 families then. And I started buying equipment as, you know, as traction um, got, and, and we built a warehouse for, for preparing you know, food distribution and loading trucks and things like that. And we just, we, we were building for longevity and did everything that we could in every level to bless the country. Which is what the church should be doing. But something happened. Yeah. Um, so in 2022, uh, I have a good friend. His name is Nathan Morris with Shake the Nation's Ministries. They do big crusades. Um, I never had ever done a crusade, but the Lord sp- really... Um, shook my heart and put it inside me. What if we do a mass evangelism campaign within reach of everyone in the entire nation? And these were new thoughts for me, really. And so um, I I went to my friend Nathan and I said, what do you think about this? And he, he, you know, he got... Hey, I mean, that's what they do. You know, we, we, we want the announcement of the gospel to go everywhere. And I've spent 30 years, you know, ministering to people, being in the personal orbit of everyone that we discipled. So I've got the micro down and we still do that. It was the first time that the Lord really rung my bell, you know, for anything in mass. And like the scripture says in Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. So we just, we went all in and I, I just felt like we could get permission because through a series of circumstances, through through our main national leader, his name's Walner Blandon, he kept bringing me and, and catalyzing these meetings with government officials. So I found myself preaching the gospel to Congress there and and preaching to the national police force and meeting with the head of the Sandinista party, Erwin Castro, and and praying for all these department heads. It's really kind of not my venue, you know, and but the Lord just kept opening doors and opening doors and opening doors. And and I had a, a central message, the verse out of Micah, do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And then I would stand up there and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and Lord, you said you'd fill my mouth if I'm in front of government officials. So please. And they kept interacting with me saying, you know, as a human being, oh, the stress of decision making and 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 I'm working all the time, and and uh, I realize that for everyone, there's a decision-making matrix vacuum. Everyone wants help. Everybody that has authority, that has to catalyze decisions, they want help. That's why so many people turn to witchcraft and education and every other kind of thing to try to get help with their decision-making. And uh, so I just stood there and told them about Micah, and I prayed for God to give them wisdom to make just decisions, to just to, to govern justly for the prosperity and freedom of their people. And so, you know, they were appreciative. I would go into a lot of those meetings 
and I would get this these pointed anti-American aggressive sort of communistic revolu- revolutionary inflammatory questions and um the Lord just touched me and I realized I'm not an American citizen I'm not a US citizen in that moment I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven and uh he would just give me the words to say and the Holy Spirit would touch him and um you know that, that so a lot of doors open for us um and so the ministry grew the ministry grew the and opportunities to serve multiplied Yep. But then there reached a tipping point where something changed to where they no longer welcomed it and they arrested uh, 11 of your people there. Yep. Um, we got permission to do uh, 20 mass evangelism crusades through the country. And, and by the way, just so folks understand that when, when you're doing that, the government is monitoring every dollar that you take, bring in, and spend. So they're correct. They're scrutinizing everything you do. We had government auditors in our in our office, unannounced. You know, sometimes in the beginning, um, twice a month, they were looking at our books. We had to turn in a budget with a line item and tell them what we planned to do with every dollar, and then at the end of the month, they would come in and say, "Okay, you said you were going to do this." Now, show me the proof and the receipts that that's what you did. And we did that for every single month, all year. And uh, we couldn't, they wouldn't let us do the transfers to to run the Crusades and the rest of our ministry without that scrutiny. So, you know, they're, they're, we've heard, we've not seen any public charging documents against us because I'm indicted too. I hear myself and my son and my daughter-in-law. Um, along with our with our national pastors, but they've given press releases that we're being indicted for organized crime and money laundering. But they were monitoring this the whole time. They're monitoring it the whole time. We're telling them everything that but we're this doing. Is, but this is also a charge that they've made against the Catholic Church, and they've they've booted out a number of Catholic priests along the same lines. Have they not? Oh yeah, dozens of them. They've um, uh, they've in the last since 2018 they've. Um, I think they've kicked out 3,600 NGOs, hundreds of evangelical but, organizations. But it's almost always along the same line. Yeah, the, uh, it, you can you can look it up. If you go Google the news, you'll see that money laundering or but, organized crime, or they kicked out the, the, the Red Cross, and you can, you can see so, that. So you had to be thinking that maybe your day was going to come, or did you think that you had the favor there that it wasn't going to happen? I always knew in the back of my mind that, you know, they were kind of walking through a minefield because you watch what's going on. And um, I didn't like it was new for us. Every space that we got for a campaign, God filled it up with extremely desperate people. We did eight um, evangelism crusades or campaigns, we call them, from starting in February. We did the last one in November. Uh, We ended up getting the national plaza called the Plaza de Fe in in Managua. We had 200,000 people the second night there. And uh, it was just a massive response. We had hundreds of thousands of people respond to the call. To so obviously Jesus. a spiritual battle. I mean, if you have that many people turning their hearts to, to, to God in, in an area that is really influenced with uh, demonic activity. Yes, sir. Um, witchcraft. Witchcraft. All right. So the, yeah. the, this, there's a spiritual element to this, but we're, we're, I don't want us to run out of time because we've got about two minutes left. 
You've got 11 of your people that are in prison, have not been charged. In fact, the government has said they're innocent, but they're still holding them. Yeah, there, there's all kinds of conflicting stories. But, um, you know, as far as we know, you know, we our lawyer saw them the other day. They're in a high security place in shackles and uh, they won't show us the char- the charging documents. They won't give the our lawyer you know, time with the clients. And They're, you can't go see them because you've been indicted and you'll be thrown in prison. I can't go see them. They, they, they sent out a request through Interpol to multiple Latin American countries, and uh, six of them have said to them, okay, we have an immigration arrest order. If they come here, we'll arrest them and send them to Including you. Mexico. Including Mexico, which is problematic for us because we have, you know, 27 years of ministry there. So, so I can't go to the south. So the United States government, uh, are they helping? We're trying to get them to help. We're um, we're starting to get traction with some some congressmen and senators. We need more. Um, we need the State Department to weigh in. We need Congress to to do what they can to put pressure on the Nicaraguan government so that they'll release our pastors who are innocent. Well, Britt, um, we're, we are out of time, but we are going to track this, and we're going to encourage our listeners and viewers to weigh in when we get some action items on this. But one thing we can do is that is pray. Amen. And uh, we will have the names. Can we put the names up of those 11 to pray Absolutely. for Absolutely. All right. We're I'll make put, sure you get them. We're going to put those names up, uh, folks. They'll be at TonyBergens.com so you can pray for them. Britt, we're going to be praying for you as well. Amen. Thank you so much. Folks, we're out of time for today, but I want to thank you for joining us. And let me once again leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.